John Roderick. We speak to you from our present, which we can only assume is your distant past, the turbulent time that was the early 21st century. Fearing the great cataclysm that will surely befall our civilization, we began this monumental reference of strange and obscure human knowledge. These recordings represent our attempt to compile and preserve wonders and esoterica that would otherwise be lost. So whether you're listening from an advanced civilization or have just reinvented the technology to decrypt our transmissions, this is our legacy to you. This is our time capsule. This is the Omnibus. have accessed entry 332.LA0345, certificate number 28712. The Dempster Dumpster. Or the Dempsey Dumpster. As in all things, uh, it's the Dempster Dumpster, but some people call it, started calling it the Dempsey Dumpster just like some people put an L in Soviet. Which one's which one's historically accurate? Dempster Dumpster. Is there a guy named Dempsey involved? No. There's See, a guy named Dempster. It seems like a weird thing to make it less rhymy and felicitous. The thing is, uh, we're talking about garbage men. And, you what, know. They, they have no poetry in their souls? Dempsey. I feel like Dempsey Dumpster kind of is like. Dempsey Dumpster. Dempsey Dumpster. Well, Dempsey being a boxer's name gives it a certain kind of masculine power, I guess. Well, and think about that. How many, how many traditional garbage men in New York City and Boston were Irish? Mm. So they were like, Dempster Dumpster. Oh. Well, Dempster doesn't even sound like a real name. It seems like, it, it seems like it's um, some kind of back formation from Dumpster. But that's not true? It's the other way around. <gasps> If my name was Dempster, I would totally get into the dumpster business. Because, that's, how, that's how it works. Because it's so perfect. Yeah. It's a little bit of a, it's a, uh, it's like if Band-Aids were made by Mr. Band-Aid. <laughs> I mean, that's why he did it. You Band-Aid. Know, nomenclature is destiny. The, yeah. I can't really think of anything that sounds like Jennings. So I, I don't know what business to get into. Ginning. Oh, yeah. Cotton ginning. Or, or. The ma- Jennings ginner. Or making gin. Right. The Jennings ginning. Jennings gin. Roderick sounds like... Wait, is there not a Jennings Gin? It sounds like there is, right? Yeah, it must be. Uh, Roderick is what? You could could make roadsters. You could have a lot of cars. the Roderick Roadster. The Roderick Rod... Rod... Rod. Hot Rod. Rod... uh, Rod Trick? Raw... That doesn't... That's not a thing. No, a raw trick. That's a raw... That's a Roderick Raw Trick. That's how you got your name. One of your ancestors pulled a raw trick on on an Englishman and he said, ah! You Welsh oh, cannot be a, trusted. It was a Scotsman, so he said, "Oh, you rod trick." It was a rod it's trick. A rod trick. No. So is this a coincidence whereby somebody named Dempster gets really into dumpsters? Yeah, it is. It's not a coincidence at all. It's uh, well, it's someone named Dempster got really into dumpsters. So if if, if it, as we're going to discover, like the word dumpster comes to us from his name, it's still a coincidence because you can change one letter in his name to make a really good name. For a place to dump stuff. You can take the U off of his, your letter sweater and turn Dempster <laughs> into Dempster. Taking the dumpster. letter E from his varsity sweater. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 fortuitous, I guess. Uh, but it's also, I mean, it, how many companies are a combination of the first three letters of both of the founders' names? But I bet he got a lot of other competitors out of the market because none of them were named like Garbage Stein or, or Trashkowitz or something. <laughs> oh, the Trashkowitz family. What day of the week does your garbage get picked up? Monday. And they come down your uh, dead end street? Yeah, we're on a little cul-de-sac and they kind of back in. And it's very loud and it happens three times because, as you know, in Seattle, there's a garbage truck and then there's a recycling truck and then there's a composting truck. And do they all come every week, all three? Recycling's every other week. Is that yeah. what happens here? We do recycling and, uh, and compost alternate weeks. So it's only two trucks. Uh, one week it's recycling. The great thing about compost. Seattle rolling out composting for all is we hardly generate any real garbage anymore. Yeah. Like almost any, everything goes in recycling, at least in theory, who knows how that plastic's going to turn out, but, 
or in the compost and very little real garbage. Yeah, right. We, we got mean, one of those, we switched to one of those little tiny cans for our real garbage. Yeah, I have the same. Two big bins and then one little tiny garbage can. And the recycling actually fills up the fastest. Like we, you know, usually that's the one that's overflowing every two weeks when the old recycling truck beeps back into our cul-de-sac. Although as you, as you alluded, uh, the John Oliver um, debunking machine mm-hmm. uh, not very long ago uh, pointed out that recycling in a lot of liberal American cities is not exactly a sham, but not quite as simple as we might have hoped. Not as efficient as we hope and not as good as it used to be, right? Basically, we were using China as a place to dump a lot of plastics and say, well, this will be their problem. Yeah, whether the, the economies no longer work out for that. Wh- whether it ever worked as well as we thought, um, mm. now it definitely doesn't because a lot of those Asian countries that used to process stuff said, we don't, we don't want to do this anymore. You know, a lot of paper waste, like 25% of recycling waste is paper. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, think of all the trees you save. Think of all the trees, except, you know, paper waste and plastic waste, both degrade over multiple recycling cycles. Right. So you can make worse and worse paper out of it every time, right? Right, right. The, the fibers get shorter and shorter. The, the plastic molec- at a molecular level gets more and more, um, degraded and so eventually you have to make more new stuff to replace the the stuff that falls out the bottom and there's a complexity to plastic right just because there's so many different types they have to be separated in various inefficient ways and it really does not help the profit margin yeah the the key seems to be in the in the long run to make everything out of hemp and potato fiber mm, yeah um, like our, like our beloved taco time here all of their silverware and everything is made out of compressed potatoes now i never but, mind when i go somewhere and the the fork is obviously made of cornstarch and the yeah the placemat is from jute no it always is fine but it falls apart when the straw is wax paper because it literally falls apart yeah you, you cannot put wax paper in a in a pop in a lemonade you know? no those are terrible those straws and what what's what are some of the other well you know they they mandated in seattle that all of the the clamshell containers no longer be styrofoam, but have to be recyclable, recyclable sort of cardboard, cardboard or yeah, or cornstarch plastic. And I never have a problem with those either. I think plastic forks break a lot more often than starchy forks. Yeah. I don't mind the starchy forks. They got a nice kind of a hand feel like they have a, they have a little texture to them that they do feels like you're using artisanal uh, corn forks. And as we know, globally, growing hemp is the easiest thing you could possibly do. Hemp is... Is that true? Hemp will just grow if you look at it? Hemp is such a weed, and it, it just um, it grows anywhere, and it's you can process it easily. And, I, you know, America was against hemp for so many years because of uh, the water wars or Chevrolet or... I, wasn't it just making marijuana a, a class whatever it is drug yeah but there's got to be some conspiracy about it where it was really the cia the whole time i you know people didn't know that george washington actually made his wig and teeth out of hemp. that's right that's right my giant book of conspiracies is so thick i can't even get it open anymore i lift up the the cover and it and it it just it crushes my fingers so i'm not completely up to date on why america isn't the hemp growing capital of the world, but I, soon to be. I have a new conspiracy for you in, in Tuesday show that you might not have heard before. We'll see. We're going to play. Has John heard this conspiracy? Oh, this is coming up. Coming a little up. bit of a little bit of foreshadowing. We don't usually do a lot of uh, omnibus foreshadowing because people can listen in any order. But if you're listening right. to show five eleven, right after five ten, <laughs> little little uh, tinfoil hat treat in store. Oh, I'm excited to know. Um, I was going to say uh, about the straw thing. Mindy has taken to carrying around a reusable straw. Really? What makes it reusable? It's just, it's made of metal and plastic and oh, it yeah. folds down like a, like a radio antenna. And so she pops it out. And whoosh, oh, she does. Does wh- she, does she, into sh- straw form. does she shick it out? It might be a little too stiff to shick out. I'm yeah. not, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but it would be sure. It should be nice if it would. My uncle uh, had metal straws that had little spoons at the end that he got in Siam or something during the war. Aren't those drug paraphernalia? <laughs> I think they might be. You can have a Moscow mule and then you can have a line of blow. When I was a kid growing up, my uncle's house was the only place that we were allowed to have Tang. Mm. And he only had it because of the astronauts. But we also we also insisted that our Tang be served with these uh, these Siamese Coke spoons. 
And so Tang and sipping through a metal straw, a metal straw that's made to look like a small piece of bamboo, I might add. Oh, it was metal, but looked like bamboo? It looked like bamboo, yeah. If you're getting it from Asia, why wouldn't you just get bamboo that looks like bamboo? Or bamboo that looks like metal? This was some... uh, this was some pre-war export gigaw yeah. that, um, that, uh, that really appealed to me as a child. The craft of turning bamboo into metal has been lost like Damascus steel. That's right. Um, but so that, you know, I was explaining to my, cause I have a tang container that I bought because I'm what? a, Oh, one of those big cans. Uh, no, no. The, uh, the pitchers with the orange top, the screw on orange top, and, oh. it, and it says Tang in the glass. Oh, I didn't know they were, that I, existed. Yeah, I, 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 we had one in the 70s, or my uncle did, because I think if you bought enough Tang, you got green stamps or something, and we're able to get one of these pitchers. And we use it. My daughter likes really cold water, hmm. whereas I like room temperature water. Whoa. All that walking across Europe really... Uh... Really took it out of you, huh? No, it was the rock band thing. You'd show up backstage. Oh, it's not good for your voice. And it's like, look, I don't want freezing cold water. And so we always made sure that there was a pallet of room temperature water. I didn't even know about that until people started asking me in green rooms, do you want cold or room temperature? And I'm like, no, I'm not insane. I want cold. And then they explained to me that it's not good for your vocal cords. Right. Well, no, it feels terrible if you're like, I'm about to sing and I'm going to flash freeze my throat. Does it just numb you so you can't feel what's going on back there? Or does it actually make the resonance weird or something? It feels terrible. I don't. I would hate to go out on stage with a bottle of freezing cold water. And I have done it because it's the only water that's available. But no, I like it room temperature. Anyway, we keep her super cold water in a Tang container. And she asked me the other day, what's Tang? I was like, oh, sweetie. Do they not sell Tang anymore? I bet they do. I think they do. But, you know, I was like, we used to think it was astronaut food. It turns out it was orange food coloring and sugar and nothing else. But Maybe a little citrus. But you still had to drip, uh, drink it in honor of, you know, oh, sure. Gus Grissom and our other fallen astronauts. Absol- absolutely. Pour out some tang. Um, but but, uh, but I, it has not occurred to me, I have to say, there's, there's something about a fanny pack that appeals to me because I tried, do you remember the messenger bag years? Mm-hmm. When every kid in Seattle had a messenger bag yeah. and they were all full of, I don't know what they were full of. I don't know. Uh, mag lights and, uh, and your, your dope kit and the book you were reading. I don't know. I mean, I carried a bag for a while and it always had two Grolsch and an apple in it, but I never could get in the habit of carrying a bag. And there are some things I want to carry that are like everyday carry, but I don't want them in my pockets. And I feel like a, a collapsible straw would be such a cool thing to, I don't know. Maybe right. Not. I mean, Mindy has a purse lifestyle. Yeah. She has a little clutch thing that she can carry. I don't and, know and you and I cool. don't. The definition of cool is really, really flexible. Something there is that does not love a fanny pack. Well, anyway, garbage. I live on a corner and the people that live on one street uh, of, of the corner. Uh-huh. Get their garbage picked up at 7 a.m. And then on the other side of the corner, which is my the side that I put my garbage out, that garbage collection comes at 9. It's the same trucks. They're just doing a circular route. And so I get woken up. Twice. Twice. No, four times. Because it's the garbage truck, then the recycling truck, then the garbage truck comes back. Wait, wasn't the second time you said 9? Nine times. I get woken no, no, up no, nine times. No, 9 a.m. Well, yeah. I mean, I, normally. But one should not be asleep necessarily <laughs> at 9 a.m., right? If I don't have something to do, I'll, you know, I'll laze around in bed until nine. I'm, I'm kind of with the garbage men here. Yeah. They should be allowed to, to make their rumbling noises and rough hewn jokes at 9 a.m. without worrying about the how do you feel about suburbanites how do you feel about leaf blowers and chainsaws <laughs> also also 8 a.m. we have already talked about leaf bl- speaking of things in pockets i just found this zip tie that uh dates back to the christmas lights and we are recording this in october it's been in your pants it's, since apparently it's been in this little you know how jeans have a little pocket in your pocket your watch pocket yeah, my watch pocket. I yeah. didn't know. Yeah. A pocket watch pocket. It's got watch. a uh it's got a twist tie from last Christmas. From, from last Christmas's uh lights. Last and this is Christmas why if you had a fanny pack gave you my heart. it would just be full of old zip ties because because you're a serial killer. You know <laughs> <laughs> I chew a lot of gum and mm. my fanny pack would be eighty percent gum wrappers, I think, by 
by not very long. I'm going to have a gym bag, I think. Sorry to pivot away from garbage. No, it's all right. But I've been going to the gym lately, and I, and I think I need to have now this other bag that has... Because that then you can have your your keys, your book, your uh, cell phone, your water bottle. Um, well, you know I have a bag fetish. Mm, yeah, your Filson fetish. Yeah. Your filthy Filson philately. I have so many of those bags, and it's insane. It's crazy that I should have even more than one, but I have a lot of them because they're one of those companies that, that makes, like, special bags. Oh, this bag. There's only, we're only going to make a hundred of these. I'm like, you've got to have one. Uh, but I don't, you know, I only carry a bag when I'm traveling. I should carry one of those bags every single day with full of, uh, full of collapsible straws and, and yeah, I'm sure you have all different shapes and sizes. You, you, you undoubtedly have the perfect bag for every occasion. I'm still using these Ikea disposable bags that I bought 20 years ago and they're, they're not really holding up very well, but no, that one can't even stand. It's falling apart. Um, you know, the history of garbage there's always been garbage. Think back. What, what do you think was the first garbage? Some guy kills a rabbit, eats a bite, throws a bone. It does not turn into a rocket ship. Right. Instead, it just lands. Kubrick never shows it landing, but that's the first garbage pit right there. You know, uh, we like to think our people ate every part of the buffalo, but that's not true. You can't, you can't possibly eat every part of the buffalo. No, some of them are gross. Yeah, They're, that's right. Even the Sioux were like, mm, no. that's a gallbladder, bud. And the thing, the thing about... <laughs> A uh, buffalo is, it's really big. There's a lot on it to eat. You only have to kill a couple of, you can feed a, you know, two dozen people. Nobody's going to sit and eat the eyeballs and the gallbladders. The perineum. So there's going to be a lot of garbage. Most of it food waste, but of course there's also all the human produced garbage. Did they know to compost that stuff? No, generally. No, because garbage predates agriculture. Yeah, there, there's, depending on how civilized you presumably like how civilized the chief or his wife in any village was, there were probably rules from the very beginning. Don't poop in your own teepee. Right. And there was probably still some dumb Kevin. Yeah. Pooping in the wrong part of the cave in the middle of the night. If you have to go to the bathroom, how far out into the dark do you want to go before you go to the bathroom? I had this come up last, this very summer when I was, in uh, Peru, in the Inca Trail. And it's very dark out there at yeah. night. And, and it was freezing cold because you're at 12,000 feet. I mean, there's also a lot of other tents around you, so there's some question of how thoughtful am I. Right. Giant um, eagles of Middle Earth. But it, tur- it turned out, yeah, it's condors. Uh-huh. It turned out, in my case, that I was definitely erring on the side of... A little I'm too close. I'm just going to pee by the tent, I think. It's <laughs> freezing out here. <laughs> but if you lived in that tent for an entire season... exactly. You, I knew I was leaving the next morning. <laughs> yeah, you probably would go a little bit further, and um, but but uh, you know you might also have saber toothed tigers to contend with. Right. But over the centuries uh, and millennia uh, across the world, there have always been sanitation issues, and um, and you know the the ancient sewers of Rome. Good job, Rome. Good job, Rome. Trying to get some of that stuff out of the way, but but Let's get that uh, into the Tiber where it belongs. But then as, so, as, as was true of so many things, by the time you got to Middle Ages Paris, people were just barfing out the windows again and throwing their garbage right in the gutter, um, attracting rats. It turns out infrastructure gets forgotten very easily, yeah. as we are starting to see in 21st century America. That's right. And you and I have, have uh, you know, just, just uh, yesterday, by which I mean one hour ago, I posited to you that uh, every one of our shows has a rat appear in it at one point or another. Uh, yeah, you did, you did this off the air. Nobody heard this. Oh, right, 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 right. You, yeah, that you was said just... all our shows have rats, and I did not believe you. And then you thought of some shows. And I said the modernist cuisine one that we just did did not, and then I thought, wait, it did. It had the ratatouille rat. Yeah, that's right. There's rats There's rats throughout the omnibus. I'm sure there's someone who has been keeping a spreadsheet of all the appearances of rats. Are rats the reason you don't want to... You want to be careful with your garbage? Uh, rats are one of the reasons. I mean, garbage is gross, but also garbage piles up. Um, yep. and I guess we talked about, did we do the, we did the garbage ferry from the eighties once. Like we've talked about waste storage problems on omnibus before. Yeah. For, for many, many, many centuries, the, the hygienic solution was to bury your garbage. Mm -hmm. You either took it down to the river and threw it in the river and it was somebody else's problem down river. Um, or you buried it or you burned it. 
uh, and or you threw it in the street and let it collect and let the you know let the rats you take it over. But you know all of this is before we were using um, even metal as food containers. Right, everything was biodegradable was, within a decade or so. Right. Yeah, it was. It was all, it was all food wood waste and 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 natural resources were scarce. So if you had a wood bowl, you didn't throw it out in the street. You, you presumably tried to at least wipe it clean. True. So it was really, um, it was really as cities became more and more congested, uh, that garbage became, uh, I guess a much more collective problem. It was no longer, you, you couldn't all go down to the river and throw it in the river. Um, and honestly, you couldn't all, uh, each individual person could not burn their own garbage either in the street or in their fireplace, nor could they continue to bury their garbage week after week in their in their tiny little plot. Well, the, yeah, the second problem is not enough land area. What prevents you from keeping burning your stuff? Well, just, just that, ashes accumulate. Yeah, there's a ton of. Um, in fact, in the in the mid, uh, well, between the mid 18th and mid 19th century, coal ash. Uh, represented almost 50% of the solid waste in in England. Um, because people were burning stuff and you got to put the ash somewhere. you got to put the ash. Um, and so... Oh, yeah, people had to come by and collect all the ash from your hearth or your furnace or whatever, right? Which was one of the first instances of municipal... Not It, it wasn't municipal because coal ash actually had value. Oh. It was used in brick making. It was, it was good for... Uh, Fertilizing the soil, so this worked out for you, and it worked out for Mister Colash Collector. Yeah, there were there were people uh, known as the rag and bone men who who went through the towns and tried to collect from the piles of garbage everything that could conceivably be re- resold, rehabilitated. The ultimate recyclers. Those seem like weird. That seems like a weird nomenclature. Like of all the things in the garbage, I don't know if I would pick rags and bones as the two best prizes. Right, but no. I, like a like a like a bent knife or a sure. or a dull pair of scissors. It's the bent knife and dull scissors, man. Yeah. Maybe the name just emphasizes how he'll take anything. That's you right. know, like even rags and bones, he knows what to do with. Maybe it's because he's skin and bones and dressed in rags. It does seem like it might. There might be some poor shaming, poverty shaming there. Like, oh, it's the rag and bone guy picking oh, here through he is. The, picking through the gross rags and bones. If you think about. Give some uh, dignity to the rag and bone guy. The long history of tinkers and uh, you know what were they called in the old west? Where they had the they had the cart full of, the, or I'm not even the old west. They came around when my dad was a kid. Um, the ice man, not the ice man. No, he he cometh. No, these are the ones with the little trailers that no, like the junk man, <gasps> like Fred Sanford. Yeah, like Fred Sanford. Bah, except, bah, bah, bah. except I think they came around with a cart. Yeah, and said, hey, you got any? You got any stuff and, and then they could, you know, they'd fix it up and resell it. It's the, the, the unwanted household item, man. The equivalent is the guy now who, uh, who has like five lawnmowers sitting on a lawn and 10 bicycles and he's mm. selling them all for $25. I feel like Craigslist got rid of the, uh, rag and bone man, right? Uh, no, there's still or a free cycle. There's still a couple out here in Burien that, that have a regular sort of unclaimed grassy corner where they're selling baby carriages and so forth that they've found and, and fixed up. But without the baby? Without the baby. Mm, that's kind of a bummer. Uh, but there, uh, eventually this kind of entrepreneurial um, like team of people who had found a way to make, uh, found a, a way to take garbage and, and turn it into a living for themselves, they were no longer sufficient for uh, to keep cities... To, to deal with the volume of municipal garbage, you know, Ben Franklin um, was one of the first people to in the in the United States to um, suggest that there should be a like an organized municipal waste collection. It, it, it's a it's an idea that was sort of mid eighteenth century in the UK, at least mooted yeah. then, although. It took about another hundred years. It's kind of like municipal internet. Uh, it's a lot easier to say than it is to implement. I was about to say, like that. I guess that was a time when somebody could actually say, "Hey, what if the uh, what if the government took over this function of society?" Yeah, and they wouldn't immediately get, um, you know, shot or stabbed. And one of the things that actually the promoted um, 
the implementation of municipal garbage collections was was actually a, a, the miasma theory of sickness, mm. which turns out to have been disproved, but it was the, the idea that sickness was communicated through bad air, cholera in particular. And so a lot of the miasma theorists who were men of science— Get this garbage out of here. Said, you know, this, it, uh, the, the way garbage piles up, it's not just attracting rats. It's actually spreading cholera through bad smells. But they were close, right? I mean, the cholera was being spread in the water, but, like, it was, it was sewage. It was fecal material in the water. Yeah. And, you know, so and, it is true that, like, actually taking care of garbage solves a lot of epidemiological problems, right? Yeah. The miasma theory, although wrong, actually produced, in this case, a... a a system of greater public health. A, a guy by the name of Edwin Chadwick wrote a paper called The Sanitary Condition of Laboring Population, and it was part of a social movement to improve the lives of the working poor. Yeah. Um, uh, very compatible with Marxism. In 1842, so even, so, you know, uh, predating even Marx and Engels, they may have read... Maybe they were inspired. They were. Maybe they were like, hey, I love throwing my stuff into this... <laughs> Stuff in this barrel. I feel like this should not be for the rich. That's right. This should be for everyone. Everyone should throw things in a barrel. So in London, they formed the Metropolitan Board of Works and eventually passed the Public Health Act of 1875, which mandated that you now throw your garbage in bins. And this was, uh, this was, this was London. You said, yeah. And this was Ben Franklin's idea too. Put your garbage in bins, and then you can take the bin to a uh, a second location. Never go uh, to a second location with a hippie, but definitely go to a second location with your bin of garbage. To this day, bins is 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 a, a big British trash word. It is, and unfortunately, although here in the United States we uh, we call garbage trucks garbage trucks because that's what they are. In the UK, they call them dustbin lorries, which is like I know, I know, trucks are lorries, and I know. Garbage cans or dustbins, but dustbin lorry? I do love when UK English has these formations that seem like they're literally 300 years out of date. Yeah. Like, really? Washing up liquid? You're, <laughs> you're going to call it washing up liquid? <coughs> I mean, technically, I guess you're not wrong. I don't know where I would begin. You're but... technically not wrong. Let me tell you about a belief I have, John. Mm, is I this about Mormonism? Mm. Oh, wait, I mean Church of Latter-day Saintsism? It's kind of related. Okay. My belief is that Shopify is just a store. <laughs> is this related? My belief is the children are our future, but go on. Shopify is I just a store? I believe that Shopify is just a store. No, do, I don't agree. What do you think, then? I don't agree with any of your beliefs. What, what do you think about my belief in Shopify? I think Shopify is more than a store. Oh, in what way? I think it helps you connect with your customers, drive sales, and manage your day-to-day. You know what? That's kind of convincing. Now that I think about how Shopify gives little entrepreneurs the resources that once only big businesses had, that really that's a valuable thing for startups. Maybe that is more than a store. It's for upstarts, it's for startups, and established businesses alike. It allows them to sell everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales, and effortlessly stay informed. And scale their business and reach customers through social media networks because they integrate so easily with Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and Pinterest and so on. That That is a little bit more than a store now that I think about it. It's pretty nice. Am I changing your belief system a little bit? A little bit. Now that I think about how I could synchronize my online and in-person sales, could a regular store do that? No. Not the, so much. Uh, Shopify allows you to gain insights as you grow with detailed reporting of conversion rates, profit margins, and beyond. Now, a store wouldn't grow with me. It would just be a store. Does Shopify grow with me? Shopify does grow with you. It's more than a store. This is a possibility, and it's powered by Shopify. Shopify powers over 2 million businesses from first sale to full scale. If I'm going to be 2 million and one, I think. If you want to be 2 million and two, what should they do, John? They should go to shopify.com slash omnibus. That's all lowercase omnibus for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash omnibus. Omnibus, in lowercase, right now. That's shopify.com slash lowercase omnibus. Even the kind of put your garbage in bins stuff required that you 
that you transport those bins to the incinerators, which sure. were the municipal municipally developed centralized garbage incinerators. So you're not just burning your garbage in the. You can't just leave your stuff in a bin. You're just kicking the can down the road. That's right. You're that kicking the bin down the road. Full. That bin's going to be smelly. You got to do something to the bin. And gradually, and this is happening in cities post-industrial revolution, where there's just more and more garbage all the time, and 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 uh, uh, much more constrained access to a place that you could throw your garbage where it wouldn't be bothering other people. Um, there started to be horse-drawn uh, junk wagons, garbage trucks. Um, where the garbage truck would come through and you would either yourself or the garbage truck man would throw the bin of garbage into the back of the wagon. Is this a private company or is this the, the your city or borough has put this together? Both. Private companies and then cities would take over. Unfortunately, those trucks smelled to high heaven and it was enough. They smelled badly enough that uh, that then they developed covered garbage Garbage wagons. Right. Um, and in 1897, the first self-propelled putt, 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 um, the, uh, the Thornycroft steam wagon. Self-propelled? Like it ran on garbage? It ran on... You put garbage <laughs> in and, it, and it, the tank runs on that, like in Dr. Doc Brown's car? No, it had a Tesla mo- motor. Mm. Um, but then, of course, the Chevron and, um, and the anti... Hemp lobby. They blew it made up. Made it impossible. And the streetcars. And so then there was a period I, uh, throughout the kind of uh, World War One era um, where you've got garbage trucks and you've got bins, but it's a very labor-intensive and stinky and also a very inefficient because throwing garbage into the back of the wagon, well, the wagon fills up pretty fast. How big is a bin? It's just like a, You're, it's a pail. Okay. Um, not, it's not even a full it's kind not, of like not, Oscar a, the Grouch. It's not, yeah. It's not even that big. No. Mm. It's and, and, um, but there's also not plastic and cardboard. There's not anything near the amount of waste that we produce. It doesn't include like, let us say night soil, right? Like by this time there's already sewage options. You're dealing in cities also with sewage problems, but those are being uh, solved under separate cover. They're being solved in the Thames river. Yeah. Right. And, and dealing with municipal sewage also was a major challenge for big cities. Maybe there's street manure going into these trucks or not. I don't know. No, probably not. Not even, not even horse manure collectors were a separate, because it was well known who they could resell to, yeah, yeah, they, yeah. That doesn't have to be burned or buried. And so you, you know, those guys would go through the streets with uh, with shovels and and collect the manure. No, this was just the garbage you would produce in a in a family home. Um, I think all diapers were washed and reused. So you know, most of the stuff that we that we put in the garbage uh, didn't exist yet. So it would have been food waste, and it would have been. They didn't even have disposable everything like we do. No, they would have repaired their clothes. They washed until, every square of toilet paper, and their clothes would have been even when they were completely worn out, then repurposed into horse blankets and doll clothes, hmm. and then into food, and from thence into doll horse blankets doll, for, for doll oh, scale horses. That's right. <clears throat> My daughter is constantly asking for horse blankets for her for her doll horses. And I'm like, what do I look like? A rag and bone man? (laughs) Anyway, right before World War II, the, uh, the technology and need collided. A man in Knoxville, Tennessee, who ran a, uh, a local construction company was producing a lot of construction waste. And, you know, construction waste is, is a thing that, that came along. We talked about it in the wallboard or uh, or sheetrock episode, right? Um, Gypsum. But prior to modern construction techniques, you know the there old, still might be chunks of bricks and masonry and yeah, old carpenters and, and masons tried to use every part of the buffalo too. But as as you build bigger and bigger things, there's a lot more waste and waste that you can't just crumble up and turn into roads. Yeah, uh, and so the Dempster family in Knoxville, Tennessee, were producing 
enough garbage that they were looking for a solution to this constant parade of garbage trucks moving um, their construction waste from construction sites to dumps. And uh, George Dempster was a tinkerer, an inventor, and he invented uh, the first dumpster, the Dempster dumpster. He called it a dumpster because, as he said, obvious. Runs with his name. It's a place where you dump things. And the he, stir stem already existed, I assume. The stir stem Team existed. Stir and drag roadster and so forth. Yeah, the Mr. Stir invented all three of those what, things. What year is this? Are we in the 20th century? Yet? We are. We're in, we're in the immediate pre-war era, 1937. Mm. Um, and the Dempster family invents the dumpster, which is to say a, a large bin that can be transported to the dump as a without it needing to then be dumped into a, a wagon. Am I picturing something the size of a modern dumpster? Modern dumpster. Um, so you you put it on the bed of a truck or something and impact. That, that's right. Or, or uh, you know, there's a truck that, that is, that's meant to, to pick up and mm-hmm. carry this dumpster. And they invented it just for their own use. So they, they started to, um, they started to employ the dumpster dumpster in their construction business, but their competitors in Knoxville all noticed that the Dempster brothers had this incredible innovation. Their name was like trash can. And they're like, you know what? (laughs) No, what they did is they went to the Dempsters and said, will you, will you sell us a dumpster? Ah, and he was just making them himself. He was making them for his own business. And it was not very long before the Dempster brothers got out of the construction business and went full-time into the dumpster business. That's where the real money is. That's right. It's funny that it's so recent because it's not a groundbreaking invention. For centuries, people had been dumping their trash into some open receptacle. His idea is just like, what if the receptacle's pretty big? Well, and then what you does could do... Does it have do, other stuff? Does it have a closing lid or... Yeah, all of that is there. But But what it allowed you to do was then put a dumpster one place and everybody could take their bin and go dump it in a central location. And then all the truck had to do was move the dumpster. So efficiency, efficiency, right. And, but at first the dumpster was as, you know, the truck could only move one dumpster. And so you filled up the dumpster and the truck took the dumpster to the garbage and came back. It was basically still just a truck carrying a bin of garbage. (laughs) It's just that the bin now was a separate thing and could be moved. It was only, what is that? Not me. It is me. (laughs) Somebody's at my front door. Oh, should we uh, talk to them on the show? Yeah. Who do they, who do they look like? Can't tell, but Mindy just let them in. So she's Uh either having a friend or is murdered. Oh, I know who it is. It's our friend, Brett. Let's not put her on the show. No. Um, so it was only the following year when a company in Detroit, so, you know, far enough away from Knoxville, uh, from Knoxville that it wouldn't necessarily follow that the one was influenced by the other. There's no evidence that they were influenced? Uh, it doesn't. I mean, it's, it's very close in time. Mm-hmm. Um, a company called Garwood, Garwood Industries, uh, had an engineer by the name of Melvin Sylvie, and Melvin developed what was called the Garwood Loadpacker. See, his name didn't sound like Loadpacker. No. Should have the outsourced Sil- it to a guy named Leadpacker or something. The Sylvie, it could have been called the Silver. Could mm-hmm. have been called the Sylvie Packer. Um, what the Garwood Loadpacker was, was it uh, was what we see now as a, as a, uh, like a kind of wall within the garbage truck that after you dumped your garbage in the wall compressed the garbage up against the front of the truck, meaning you could carry a lot more garbage with, before you had to go to the dump because you could, you know, compress a truckload of garbage down into about a fifth of a truckload of garbage and then move the wall back and, I love those. Begin again. It's why it's why kids like love when the garbage man comes because they get to watch that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Have you seen the new like kind of single serving garbage cans that also have solar powered compressors? No. I think Portland has them. 
it's a trash can, but you can you don't have to empty it as often because somebody tosses in their trash and a solar powered thing goes. Did you ever keeps have packing it down. a garbage compactor in a home where you lived? No. My uncle had a garbage a home? compactor. Trash compactor? Is yeah. that a thing? It was a it was a really big thing in the seventies and eighties, maybe the eighties. Oh yeah. People would talk about it like they had a disposal in their sink. It would be like and a compactor for the trash. Yeah, you, you it was just like a normal sort of pull out trash container. But then you put it in and push the button and and it would press it down. They didn't catch on quite like dishwashers did. I'm not sure what the value proposition there was. Like you, you don't have to take the trash to the curb as often. Yeah, I guess. I guess. I mean, the problem with home garbage is that it's garbage in your home, and so you can compact it all day, but it's going to smell bad if you put anything smelly in there. It can't just sit there, even if it's smaller. Well, so the the Garwood load packer um, used. A, a hydraulic press and the Garwood truck was not a dumpster truck, right? It was a, the Garwood truck would drive around and you would throw your bin rather mm. than throw your bin into a dumpster. You would throw your bin into the Garwood Straight truck, into the truck and then the Garwood truck would press it and move on to the next. So those were the classic sort of trucks used by garbage men. And these two, Technologies develop side by side. If you were in a situation where you were using a lot of garbage, you were a, a big business, um, a restaurant, a uh, you know a construction company, you would get a a dumpster dumpster, fill it up in your own time, and then the garbage truck would come and and empty the dumpster or take the dumpster to the garbage. Now the dumpster company, um developed in the 50s the dempster dump master whoa 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 and the dempster dump master was the first truck that actually had a um that had like forks that went grabbed the dumpster lifts the dumpster lifted it up and dumped it in the in the back of the truck they're a vertical now they can they can size their trucks to match their dumpsters and vice versa that's right so the dempster dumpster and the dumpster dump dump master or the dempster dump master were a, were a combined set, and it eliminated the need for there to be, you know, three garbage men per truck. This was all an automated, uh, an automated system. I mean, we haven't explicitly said this, but if you've assumed that dumpster is just a generic term that applies to any trash receptacle, apparently that's not true. It was a trade name. Yeah, right. The dumpster brand trash receptacles. And it became it became a universal term. And the Dempster Dump Master did use a kind of Garwood load packer style uh, compressor. Okay. Right? Because although the Garwood load packer had a proprietary uh, squasher. You could reverse engineer a different kind of hydraulic squasher. Lots of industries have those. You could. And there were a lot of different ways to do it. If you think about the classic garbage truck where the garbage men dump the garbage in a hopper in the back and then a a kind of bladed uh, scooper comes, pulls the garbage out of the hopper and then compresses it back. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of other styles of doing that. Some of them, you dump the garbage in the front, you know, there'd be a lower side along the truck where you would dump it in the front and then a wall would come push it toward the back. Um, One of the popular ones was uh, a, a like a roto press, kind of an Archimedes style screw right, that would push the stuff back, push it st- push it back, and also shred it oh. as it went, so making it even more compressible. The problem with those is if you got caught in it, I guess it was a thing that it would just take you back and shred you and compact you. Ah. Uh, Wilhelm scream. So they have they've fallen out of fashion except they're really they're still really good for composting so there are some i think particularly in europe um some like screw based compactors still that kind of shred the 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 food waste and then turn it into soil halfway through right yeah it makes more sense yeah um so you know all of this then really became common in municipalities not not really until the 1970s um that this kind of explosion in 
dumpster and uh, dump truck technology. Pre-70s, your garbage truck probably didn't compress your garbage, huh? No, it did. It compressed your garbage, but all of the kind of, like, bin-based... Yeah, lifting the bin into the bed. Yeah, yeah, that was all a thing that... And I remember garbage trucks that had garbage men hanging off of the side and throwing your old rattle cans up yeah. over their shoulders uh, until, I don't know, it wasn't really that long ago. But part of the part of the transition to dumpsters came about as a result of the science of repetitive stress in, in injuries. Oh, I thought you were going to say it was the mob. It's actually also the mob. It's actually people taking care of their sanitation workers. That's nice. Yeah, they're they're. I mean, lifting garbage cans all day long was really hard on people's bodies, and realizing that you could automate it, it wasn't just a a matter of industrial efficiency. It was also a way of of uh, protecting workers from these kinds of industries. Which is, I think we can all agree, compatible Compatible. with Marxism. And it was also in the 70s where the first wheelie bins, as you might say, if you were in England. They didn't have wheels until now. Well, no, they did, but wheelie bins being that the bin itself was now the dumpster. So it had gone... Fully full circle to the the bins, the that kind we of use, bins we have today, where you would actually just use the you the the truck would have a have forks that were sized for for these individual home style home size wheelie bins. Um, that came about that was invented in the seventies. Although because as long you know, as the Oscar metal trash cans were the standard, dudes were picking those up. Yeah, there was never really there was a never system. a way to pop those up. Oh, interesting. Um, what's crazy? is that by the 1970s, all the innovation in garbage trucks and garbage bins and garbage collection had been accomplished. We did it. We perfected. We landed on the moon, and then we perfected garbage. And there's been very, very little actual progress made in garbage disposal since then. Probably because it's not glamorous. Some Elon Musk egotype who's like, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Re- what do they call it when they reinvent some industry? Reinventing the, <laughs> the, the wheel, wheel? <laughs> the wheelie bin? No, disrupting. Disru- I'm gonna disrupt garbage. Nobody wants to do that because ew, garbage. Well, it keeps, in, the, it keeps those guys out. In the um, in the anything into oil episode, we talked a lot about the idea that there was a way to recycle garbage into its component. Parts. I knew there was another recycling entry, and I couldn't remember what it was. Yes. And that one, uh, it was, you know, we kind of came to the conclusion that although it is possible, it's it has enough uh, scale and efficiency issues that no one has really gone the whole way to make an, a, a municipal scale um, hmm. garbage recycler that, that ends up breaking things down to their elemental parts, whatever that process is. Is that I'm that I was so enamored with having read about it in Discovery magazine in 1995. It's just too complex. It turns out. Well, and I think not too complex. In the in the initial attempts, it was um, a way to to process offal from uh, from like slaughterhouses. slaughterhouses. Yeah, but the but the processing of it smelled so terrible that there was no place you could put the processing center where there wasn't some town within 15 miles that that became uninhabitable from the smell. You solve this with genetic engineering. You just, you just engineer create new, people. Create new humans that are into that smell. Like, ooh, yeah, huh. I like it. I, uh, there's always been... Or make it fashionable. I was reading a thing in the New York Times about how all Venezuelan ballplayers wear perfume or something. Hmm. And it's like a, it's kind of a superstition thing. Some of them women's perfume and they're... They're proud about it, despite coming from a machista culture. And you just have to tell people that it's great that their house is next to the abattoir because it, you know, that's the smell of progress. Yeah. I, I feel like um, you just have to convince people that Nutria is delicious and not a giant <laughs> rat. And all of a sudden your problems are solved. I guess our revulsion to, um, you know, chicken guts, to garbage and bathroom smells are probably pretty deeply evolutionary because it kept us away from disease, huh? So maybe that's not going to work. Yeah, unlikely. Unless we, unless you make it really fashionable to put, um, like, uh, Vic, on your nose. No, Vicks Vapo Rub <laughs> oh, right yeah. under your nose. Yeah, like a coroner. Yeah, a la a la Clarice Starling. 
Well, no, uh, going back to the science fiction of the Jetsons era, mm-hmm. there's long been a hope, a kind of, you know, futuristic hope that we could have a home garbage chute that was part incinerator, part recycler, and you could put anything in there and it would immediately evaporate it or turn it into a tiny little block that you could, you know, you could build a a mouse house out of. Um, And Walt Disney, no less than Walt Disney in, in 1969 debuted at disneyland well he would have been dead by then but 69 yeah 69 (laughs) if you're asking when did walt disney die i think 66 or 67 well walt disney invented it but it was not fully implemented in the disney universe until yeah a lot of his futuristic epcot type stuff he had already planned for and then it the succeeding decade it rolled out and it was what what i think is a natural idea which is the pneumatic tube style of uh, of garbage disposal. Just poop in them? Not poop. Oh. No. Pneumatic tube being like a normal waste basket, except you put the garbage in, close the little door, and it went, whoa. And we, I've been, I've had pneumatic tube mail on my list of. Uh, yeah. Why have we not done pneumatic tubes? It's well, coming. It's coming. It's on my list. And we won't, th- this is only one amazing side of that story. Uh, so Disney World or Disneyland introduced pneumatic tube garbage disposal. And it, uh, you know, it, it seemed very much like the city of the future. The thing about garbage in a pneumatic tube is it can only go so far mm-hmm. uh, because you can only create a vacuum that's going to move your garbage a certain distance. It's hyperloop. And then eventually the garbage is going to come out the other end and then it's just garbage and it goes into a pail, which goes into a bin which goes into a dumpster. Maybe you could centralize yeah. st- stuff over a theme park, but it doesn't solve the fundamental problem. And and so the next the next level of garbage disposal, recognizing that we're doing a lot, everything we kind of can to separate garbage out, reducing it like Wally. Um, but the problem now is that we still have the incredible inefficiency of the trucks that are mm. rattling around our cities using diesel gas. Um, hopefully, and I know there are a lot of people in the world that are like, diesel and gas are different. And gas isn't even what fuel is. Gasoline is not a gas. It's petrol. But we in America say gas. And, and, we, and we say diesel gas. Diesel gas. Because screw you. Because America. Exactly. This whole show is America. It's diesel gas powered. Um. And I think there are a lot of municipalities that are trying to introduce garbage trucks that aren't powered by fossil fuels. But really, the most efficient way is to have a centralized garbage collection so that the, the transportation of it becomes a, uh, the, the kind of last stage where you have to actually move it to a landfill. So basically you want fewer truck visits to residences. Right. You want you want some intermediate system that links the residences and the businesses to a, a dumpster-like collection point. And none of this is addressing the problem of... Like a sewer for garbage, basically. A sewer for garbage. Thank you. None of this is addressing what the garbage eventually does, which is end up either in a landfill, on a barge being dumped into the ocean, or in an incinerator, mm-hmm. uh, which is all the reason that we're constantly trying to reduce the amount of garbage we produce but guess what in 1975 roosevelt island uh what in new york in the, city in the east river was uh was building a big housing uh you know kind of like a model city and they used pneumatic garbage disposal as a part of their planned community did they get the idea from disney, from disney. everybody gets all their ideas from disney they also made uh, Disney princesses sort of uh, mandatory for all children in schools. But they they put in pneumatic garbage collection in the buildings, and that pneumatic system continues to work to this day without much problem. Is it more efficient? I mean, you're still going to have to power a, new, a series of pneumatic tubes, but I guess that's better than driving a fleet of trucks around. That's right. Okay. And... And it's more efficient because it's Roosevelt Island is small. 
it was built into the construction of this mm-hmm. uh, of this community. And Roads so, don't have to be torn up to put it in. Exactly. Yeah. So it it is um, it's you know, uh, and it it's more efficient in in terms of energy use, but also just how much simpler for you as a as a uh, as the disposer to go to the end of the hallway and dump your garbage into the into the Jetson style pneumatic garbage disposal, then carry your bin down 10 flights of stairs. Um, and so after 45 to 50 years of no innovation in garbage collection now, and it may not surprise you that it is the Scandinavians who are pioneering municipal scale pneumatic garbage systems. Hyper poop. Hyper Again, not poop. The poop already has pipes to go down. Fine. What's a word that sounds like loop but refers to garbage? I don't know if there is a good one. Goop. Hypergoop. Hypergoop. I don't throw away that much goop. I usually compost my goop. The thing is, it all turns to goop eventually. Do you have to, is the idea that you separate in these new uh, beautiful social democracy systems, is the idea that you separate your garbage at home, but it's the regular garbage that shoots through the tubes, or can you get rid of recycling and composting the same? There's way? recycling tubes, compost <gasps> tubes, and garbage tubes. I'm imagining the scene in Brazil where De Niro is hooking up a bunch of like new like hydraulic tubes to somebody's house and and that's and sucking stuff in and out. That's really that's really what's happening. So there's a company, a Swedish company called Envac, and they are developing pneumatic tube systems that are. Not quite at city scale, but they're at development scale. They've realized that um, they can only really pneumatically transport these materials about a mile to a mile and a half. So two kilometers, let's say. That's is, the limit of the vacuum Is deck. the limit of the vacuum. So what you need is a centralized garbage collection point. Um Every, you know, yeah, with a community a, all a mile around. It's basically like your community dumpster, but you never have to walk to it. Exactly. And they've figured out that the economy of scale means that, you know, it's appropriate for developments that have a, a, up to, a, or I'm sorry, a thousand, starting at a thousand dwellings. And uh, fewer than that, it, it still doesn't make sense for them. Are, you picked up your not compatible with Marxism I'm, sign, but you're just I'm scratching, scratching my back with back. it. Is that compatible with Marxism? I think it is. Like I'm a working guy. I should have some comfort in my chair. I think, I think you should. Okay. Um, so there are now 44 cities worldwide, including Seoul and Barcelona and Doha. Oh, wow. Singapore, um, new, new planned communities in China that are all, building pneumatic garbage disposal into the new development because we've been doing garbage wrong for, doing, for the american century well or maybe a better way of putting it is it's time to do garbage right thank you yeah. the second best time to do garbage right was 50 years ago but no wait i did that wrong the best time to do garbage right was 50 years ago the second best time is today is to start in, it in doha um but all of these places are finding it very difficult to build to retroactively uh, fit their cities with pneumatic garbage in neighborhoods that weren't purpose-built around the idea. Because there's already so much infrastructure. There's yeah. gas pipes and water pipes. And- but in, in the ultimate turns out, guess who's doing it anyway? North Korea. The Norwegians. Well, of course. Yes. They've got, they've got uh, $100 billion in infrastructure money from... Selling polluting so, fossil fuels to the rest of the world. Exactly. So in Bergen, Norway, they are undergoing a huge municipal program to put pneumatic garbage tubes under the streets. And what they're doing is every time there's a street repair and they've got the street torn up, they also put, let's get our pneumatic tubes in there. Mm-hmm. And little by little, the plan is to put pneumatic garbage tubes throughout the city, including in Old Town. And... Because Bergen has an old town that goes back to the Hanseatic League. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and and the I don't know if you know about it, but uh, but yeah, right. Uh, Hamburg in in eleven hundred did not plan for municipal garbage. Yeah, uh, let alone municipal garbage in tubes. Bunch of dumb Kevins running the guilds. But a lot of these systems are also based around the idea of pay as you go, or as they say, pay as you throw. 
Oh, it's per use? Yeah. You get you a little thing meters your garbage. You've got a little key fob and you go bleep and you get like five free garbage throws a year or I'm sorry, a month. Oh, I like that it makes people more mindful about tossing stuff. Yeah. So that's Is there any way I can use this before I it's a whole it's a whole utopian um planned economy or like it's a it's it's social engineering on the on the as the Scandinavians like to do. But it does also kind of remind me of that bleak post-war British thing where you have to put in a quarter when you go in your, you have to put a coin in your thing when you go in your house, put in a shilling to make your gas turn on or your, or your lights turn on. Yeah. Those terrible hotel rooms where you have to put the card into some slot for the lights to go on. Europe, baby. But this is how it's going to be. Every time you throw something away, you're like, okay, let me put a shilling in the slot. Well, what I, what I imagine it is, is that you keep all your garbage in a bin on the kitchen counter until it's full enough to throw it in the oh, garbage. Yeah, you get a full thing. So it's back to bins. Is uh what's the I should have asked this earlier. Do you know what the diameter of these tubes is? Like, I guess you know if it's cuz you know water pipes can be pretty narrow to your house. But to throw away garbage that it has not been chewed up by any kind of blade or Archimedes screw or hydraulic press. I mean, they're they're going to be pretty big compared to most of the other pipes running into your house, right? Well, the tubes, the infrastructure tubes are as big as sewer pipes. Okay. Um, and when you throw the garbage in to the, you know, the apertures, they're surprisingly big. I mean, they're, they are big enough. Could you put a child in one? I mean, yes. that's, that's my second question. Like <laughs> at what size do we have to worry about the safety of toddlers crawling into them and getting sucked away? I think they are precisely built. Cause I'm imagining the arms and legs flailing as the, as the thing goes, <laughs> With some with some kid's head stuck in the aperture. Well, hopefully they they are as big as blueberries and they get stuck in there and don't make it all the way into the Wonka grinder. This is going to be the new cat in the microwave, crocodile in the sewer, urban legend. The the toddler that got sucked into the Jetsons tube. I do wonder how you keep a kid from putting a cat in there. Right. I mean, dogs are mostly bigger than cats and more lovable. So. I mean, it's a problem that kind of solves itself. The, the good pets don't fit. The thing is that I think in Scandinavia, the social engineering is strong enough that they could just convince kids that putting cats in the pneumatic tubes is is going to make Santa Claus not come. Well, sure, but if this you, works in Japan and Norway, but that will that yeah. will never fly in in uh, Austin or Ann Arbor or Omaha. Well, and this is the other thing; it becomes a. Um, immediately it's clear that only only highly developed cities are going to ever be able to at least for the foreseeable future be able to afford pneumatic tube centralized garbage collection so it's another way in which uh doha and new york city or bergen at least first uh, set themselves apart from a world where a lot of people are still throwing their trash in the river I'm going to move to Doha or Bergen. And with climate change in mind, I'm 100% moving to Bergen. Sorry, Doha. And that concludes the Dempster Dumpster, entry 332.LA0345, certificate 28712, in the omnibus. Speaking of taking out the trash, this is the part of the show people skip or fast forward through. That's not true. Nobody and, does. And we reveal the secret of the universe every week, and only a small group of people find out. Oh, is that why nobody has uh, been utilizing our secret of the universe? We thought people would write every time we reveal it, and apparently just people skip the outro. Uh, but before I get to it, uh, you can send your... Uh, you can find us on social media. Unfortunately, we were products of the early 21st century at ken jennings at john roderick at omnibus project please email us at the omnibus project at gmail.com please please defend elon musk in your emails please do not he needs your he needs your support he does not he's having a tough week he is but boo-hoo. but he deserved it yeah uh you could send us physical items not your garbage it's not cost effective but um things that otherwise would have gone in the garbage but you think uh Instead, should go in John's attic. Ken and I are a form of rag and bone man. That's true. We get Ken a lo- will take we- all of your old comic books, and, and you, I'll you take, take all, all the rest. your all your buttons from old navy uniforms or something. Right. That's right. Send all that stuff to PO Box five five seven four four Shoreline Washington nine eight one five five. Find other like minded futurelings at 
uh, the Futurelings uh, subreddit or Facebook group or Discord or whatever, what have you. I'm going to start saying what have you more. TikTok? Is there yeah. a Futurelings on TikTok? I don't understand how TikTok works. I don't think TikTok lends itself to a community building. Snapchat doesn't really either, does it? I don't know. Grinder? Is it a Grinder hashtag? I wonder if... Is there a dating I bet service? you in people's profiles... On Grinder, there are. That doesn't have to be Grinder. There are, but let's say there are people on Grinder who are like, "I love Omnibus, and I will come clean your oven in a in a French maid's outfit, and you can hit me with a boat paddle." While we listen to Omnibus, let's listen to Omnibus while it happens. Does that does any of that appeal to you? And I bet you they they've gotten replies where it was like, "You like Omnibus too." I bet there are podcasts in people's OKCupid okay profiles. You bet you there. But are. is Omnibus mainstream enough? Maybe we're, it is. maybe we're only in the elite Raya profiles. The thing is, nobody puts like, I love Joe Rogan in their profile. They You can immediately tell. Yeah, they, <laughs> exactly. By the six other dumbass things they said. No, you put something like Omnibus in there to... It's a signifier. Yeah, it's like a, it's, it's a, uh, it's a shibboleth. Yeah. You, people go, oh, you're just like me. Uh, well, try it out. Let us know if um, mentioning your favorite podcasts on your dating profile worked out for you uh if it's this one john and i will pay for your wedding no uh absolutely not <laughs> we will not come to your wedding either <laughs> ken will not perform it i will not play at it uh john wants to play at your wedding he just won't take a check he's too he loves his fans too much yeah um the best way to support the show is not to get married or even to have sexual congress during it but in fact to go to patreon.com slash omnibus project uh, and uh, see what uh, perks appeal to you. Maybe you'll become a supporter. If you if your OKCupid okay profile says I support Omnibus at the washing bear level, that is going to get you a lot of clicks. And a we're lot gonna of and we're gonna start policing dating profiles to see if people claim to be Omnibus supporters who are in fact not listed on the Patreon. And we will report you to the service and get you booted off. In fact, we're gonna start. We're gonna have to hire an assistant. How long has this entry been, John? One minute and six seconds. No, one hour and six minutes, which is almost exactly the length of your last episode. Uh, but Two minutes shy. But I feel like we don't have time to do the secret of the universe now. We're over an hour. I guess. Beep, beep, I guess we'll just. I guess we'll have to skip it. Just scan your QR code at the Omnibus Patreon page, and that will lead you to the secret of the universe. Futurelings from our vantage point in your distant past, we have no idea how long our civilization survived. We hope and pray that the catastrophe we fear may never come. But if the worst comes soon, this recording, like all our recordings, may have been our final word. But if Providence allows, we hope to be back with you soon. And we wish you 2015 cheese for another entry in the office.